0: father i just want to thank you for tea so proud of her thank you father for the word that she's prepared thank you for what you've put on her heart thank you for the time that she spent with you lord and father i just want to thank you for your peace to rest on her thank you for your peace and your calmness right now thank you for your confidence lord and thank you for your joy thank you lord that we would receive this word with faith thank you lord that you would do everything that you're wanting to do in our hearts this morning Thank you for your precious word, Lord, and and bless my wife in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Thank you for my water. This is the holy water. If it's, here. <laughs> it's so cool that I get the privilege to preach this morning. So thank you to the elders for trusting me. They will pick up the pieces afterwards. <laughs> so... Um, I just want to share a, fo- a picture. I don't know if it's um, any of them. Anyone anyone will do, we'll do both at the same time. There's the first one. And and it says, if you can read, does anyone have a recipe for these using cauliflower? <laughs> and that's an ice cream with decadence all over. And then there's a the next one as well. There's a guy sitting in the bath, and he says, eat clean, they said. Nailed it. <laughs> and... I can identify and understand completely these two memes (laughs) on the screen that were on the screen, eating clean and eating healthy and trying to turn everything into cauliflower so I can eat it and still feel like I'm being healthy. And (laughs) yeah, that hasn't happened yet. But a few few nights ago, I hopped into bed and I said to Steve, "This eating clean and like exercising and just trying to be healthy—is this it for the rest of my life?" Like. I was just like so depressed. Like, is 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 this it? And and he was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> if you don't wanna, if you don't wanna go back and get and get chunky or you wanna lose fitness, this this is it. And he says that he was in the gym. Um, he goes in the afternoons and he was in the middle of the session and he turned to one of the guys training with him and he said, Have you ever asked yourself why we do this? and it was like in the middle of a hot day and he's running, we're running up and down, we're sweating, and you want to ask yourself, what is the point of all of this? And of course we know the benefits of exercising and eating well. Um, We want to live long, we want to continue to share the gospel for as long as possible, we want to avoid chronic medication, we want to to be fit and healthy. And even though I'm moaning and, and I want to eat everything I can, I realize that the benefits of eating well and training far outweigh the privilege of my lays and cake diet. So that is so much better for us. And I felt the Lord just show me that it can actually be similar in our walk with him, is we can feel so discouraged when we lose the reason why we do things by finding finding ourselves asking why, why do we do this? And the title of the preach this morning is, Is It Worth Serving the Lord? And I'd like to read about two groups of people, and they're found in Malachi 3, verse 13. If you can turn with me, that would be great if you have your Bible. Oh, now, I don't have a gap to drink because it's, it's right there. You don't have to flip through. Malachi is right before Matthew for those using a real Bible. So if you find Matthew, just go a few pages back and you'll be fine. And the context of this is there's a people of Israel and they're really going through a tough time spiritually. They're really battling the Lord. And we know the famous scriptures about the Lord is talking about the tithes and offerings right at the bottom. But this is right at the bottom in chapter 13 and I want to read it. And it says, you have spoken harshly or arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you asked, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve the Lord. What do we gain by carrying out the requirements and by going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed, certainly evildoers prosper, and even when we put God to the test, they get away with it. And so that sounds like a very harsh statement to say to the Lord, what is the point of all of this? And it's not quite like with me and my eating, asking what is the point of all of this? But sometimes it can be like that, and maybe you're sitting here in church this morning, you're thinking, I don't, I don't really think that there is, um, I don't have an issue with that. But maybe in your heart you have asked yourself, Lord, what is the point of all of this? And you're being discouraged, and you're feeling far from the Lord, and you're feeling like, what is the point of all of this? Do I have to do this for the rest of my life, until I die? And that the people that were speaking here were actually being a bit, not a bit, they were being, were, they were being blasphemous. They're challenging the Lord and they're speaking to the Lord and they've said, what good is it to serve the Lord if it's going to benefit me nothing? For this group of people, the cost was not worth the reward. Their relationship with Christ had got cold. Their hearts were cold. Their joy was gone. And they were not doing the things that they did at first. The Israelites say that the arrogant are blessed. When we read further down, they're blessed. And we know that they had shifted their eyes and are looking at the people. And when you shift your eyes from Christ and you look at the people around you, especially people in the world, you can see what a dire place you are. When we at the church, when we, the people who love God, are looking at the world and are envying them, something is wrong. Something is not right. We shouldn't be the ones that are envying the wicked and the arrogant. They seem like they're having a good time. They're prospering. They are more blessed and, and highly favored than we are as Christians. They're living comfortably and materially, and outwardly it looks like they're doing well. But actually, that is not the truth. Psalm seven verse 73 verse 1 says, Surely God is, a, is the God, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And this is where I found myself sometimes. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. If we jump down to verse 16, it says, When I tried to understand all of this, it was troublesome in my sight. Until I entered God's sanctuary, then I discerned and understood their final destiny. You see, we can easily look at the people around us and think that they've got it all together, especially the people in the world, and be envious of their comforts and envious of all that they have. And it can seem unfair, but this is just a reminder that this is not the life that we are here to live for the comforts of this world. And when I talk about comforts, I'm not just talking about food, (laughs) which I mentioned earlier. I'm talking about like your Netflix and whatever you would use to comfort in this world. It looks so enticing when you do that and serve that instead of coming to the Lord. We need to give ourselves to the right things and remember that it is worth serving the Lord. And you see, life can seem a bit unfair, even just talking about like, eating and stuff like that. There's, Bjorn can have a whole can of condensed milk, and I can watch him, and I'm the one that gains the weight and not Bjorn. <laughs> you see? So we're watching all the people around us, and it looks like they're having the best time. And we have people prospering here, and they do not carry out the Lord's requirements. The ones that are wicked and tempt God and get away with it, or seem to get away with it. Then when they speak to the Lord, they have no regard for him. They live for what they want and they do whatever they want. And maybe you hear and you're a child of God and you say, you're feeling like life is a bit unfair. Like, Lord, I have kept myself pure. I carry out your righteous, your, 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 your ways. I do all that is right. And yet I haven't found my spouse. I haven't, you know, I haven't found my dream job or my car. And you can start feeling a little bit discouraged, a little bit hard done by. And that life is just not fair. But being blessed and highly favored or looking at the outward things, it's not just material things. Sometimes we get confused because we think it is just the shiny portion, the big house. It's not about the things that can be seen. Success for a believer is measured differently. Prosperity for a believer is measured differently. It's not just about the things that we have or we do or what God does for us. And we need to remember that our reward is eternal. This is group one, and they had decided that serving the Lord was not worth it. But then in verse 13 in Malachi 3, if we jump down, the tone changes, and there is hope. Don't worry, this is not just doom and gloom. Then group two, and I pray that we would be like these people. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard A scroll of remembrance was written in the presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Then those who fear the Lord There is a different, there is a change from those who grumbled against the Lord and complained to the Lord. There's a second group of people, the ones who fear the Lord, all filled, lovers of God, full of reverence. They're the second lot of people who are committed to honoring God. And they spoke with each other. Last week we heard an excellent preach from our man about grumbling. And I don't think that is the conversation that God wants to be in and to listen to. But this is the conversation that God listened to and heard. I wonder what was being spoken in that conversation. I like to believe that there was encouragement, that the people were spurring one another on, that when one was discouraged, the other was encouraging the other, saying, come on, it is worth it. We can do it. We can do it. We can continue to serve the Lord. He is worth our praise. He's worth our serving. And those words please God, those words... um, are amazing. And grumbling and complaining despises, is despised by the Lord. It's a sin and it's not for us to be doing. That's not the conversations we want to be caught in. And godly community, if we need encouragement, maybe you're feeling down or feeling far from the Lord, community, godly community, this is where you need to find your encouragement. And I want to encourage you that if you're feeling like that, you be the person to go find somebody to encourage. Don't sit in your seat and like be be sad for yourself because nobody's coming to encourage you. Sometimes when you go and you do the thing, you are encouraged and you are blessed. If you go out and you share the gospel with somebody, you are reminded of why of of the treasure that you have found. If you just sit at home and you do nothing about it, you will just sit at home and do nothing about it. The world has got. The other way around. They say that if you feel like that, you need to stay at home and pamper yourself and have self care and just put yourself first. And if that was true, we wouldn't see the suicide rates go higher and higher and higher. When we serve and we live for others, that is where we are most fulfilled. So I want to encourage you that if you are feeling discouraged, you need to go to somebody and encourage them. Pray and ask the Lord for a word of encouragement for somebody in your midst. Find a face and just go and speak to them and tell them. Tell us if you feel like no one's encouraged you told you you're pretty go and encourage somebody and tell them that they're pretty and do do that thing for somebody else and we see in that scripture that God did not just listen he listened and he heard and he wrote it down I thought that was very significant because when you write something down it's because you don't want to forget it and we know that God remembers our sin no more but our names, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've chosen him and you've put him in his life, your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. So when God writes something down, it's of significance. And I just want to enri- encourage you now, if you feel like you're slogging along and you, God has written down your faithfulness. God has taken note of your faithfulness to him. Don't be discouraged. It hasn't just gone away, just happened in so many. God has taken note of all of that. And there was a time in the Bible where there was a man of God who was serving him. And he was, um, his name is Mordecai, and we find the story in Esther. He was serving the Lord, and they were being persecuted. And he came, and he heard that the king was going to be killed. And so he went to Esther, his cousin, and he said, this is what the people are planning to do with the king. So then he told Esther, and Esther relayed the message to the king. And the king heard about this, did some investigation, and strews bob he was getting he was, gonna, he was planning to be assassinated and so he takes the people and he says what were you trying to do he kills those people and then he says well done to mordecai he's very happy he's pleased and he says that this story needs to be written down it needs to be chronicled so that it can be read and remembered from years to come this is things being written down this is how important it is chapter six a couple of years later Mordecai is still being persecuted by a man named Haman or Haman, however you pronounce it, and he says to him, You need to bow down to me. And he Mordecai refuses to do that. He doesn't want to bow down, he wants to live for the Lord. And so one day the king is asleep and he oh, he can't fall asleep, and he asks, Please, can those chronicles be read to me? And what is the story that is being read to him? It's the story about Mordecai, the very time that the king was saved and his life was, was spared. And so when he hears the story again, he is amazed again. And he says, what has been done for this man who saved my life? And the people reading say, nothing really was done for him. And he says, that cannot be true. And so Haman uh, is in the courts and the king says, come to me. What, do you, what, what should be done for the man who has honored and has saved the king? And so, of course, he thinks it's for him. So he spews out a long list of things that must be done. He must be be given the king's clothes, the king's ring. He must be taken around the city. And people must shout, this is the man that the king honors. So the king says, oh, wonderful, good idea. Now you do that to Mordecai. (laughs) And this is how the Lord turns things around. This is how the Lord comes to your aid and to your rescue. Mordecai didn't have to compromise who he was. He continued to serve the Lord. He was a child of God. And he would not bow down to Haman, and Haman is the one that ended up having to go around the city and, and, and shout his praise. And so here we can see that the ending for the, for the arrogant and for the wicked is not always going to end well with them. The Lord will turn it around for our good. So when you feel like you're being persecuted, just remember that the Lord writes down your faithfulness, and at the right time, it will be remembered. But what happens when we forget? Because we do forget. You know, often I read the Israelites have just crossed the Red Sea and God has opened and parted the waves. And in the next chapter, they come and they say, oh, but now how are we going to eat? And I'm like, guys, he's just parted the Red Sea and now you're worried about what you're going to eat. But then I have to remind myself, I can be just like that. I am also quick to forget that God has just provided last month We had peanut butter last month. We will have peanut butter this month. You know, like nothing is going to change. He is not going to change. He is faithful. And we need to remember. And some of the ways that we can remember is by just staying in his word and in community. So when, like I said, if we stay in community and we remind each other of God's faithfulness, we can speak and we can share the testimonies. And maybe I have forgotten what God has done. But if I hear your testimonies, I'm encouraged again because God is still doing what only he can do. God commands us to remember. We have communion, which is a, you know, he says to us to do this in remembrance of him, because we are all so quick to forget. And he tells us, tell this to your children. Tell it to them so that that you can remember all that I have done for you. And often when the children of Israel went away, it's because they forgot what God had done for them. They thought that they knew better and went to the plan B's when God actually had the perfect plan for them. So God says, don't miss out on these things. Fix those words of mine. Put them in your heart. Put them in your mind. Tie them as a symbol in your hand. Bind them on your forehead. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses so that you don't forget so that they can stay close to you and when you don't speak about something you will forget about it you know a lot of people say that they used to have another language that they could speak when they were younger but because they haven't done it in so long they cannot speak it anymore and so to remember god's faithfulness speak about god's faithfulness speak about god's goodness and remind yourself of his goodness 1 Samuel 12 verse 24 says, Above all, fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. And he has done great things for us. The great things God has done for us, as we said earlier, is not always money and fame. And that's not why we serve the Lord. We don't serve him for what we we can get out of him, for what he can do for us. He's already paid the highest price. If God did nothing for me or or gave me anything, he would still be worth my serving. He would still be worthy of my worship. We owe him everything, and he owes us nothing. Though he slay me, Job says, yet will I praise him. And that's the attitude that we need to have. And it's not a tit-for-tat thing, like when God says, do this and then I will do that. I think it's 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 a principle of sowing and reaping. If I want to have cake and lays and a gota for breakfast every day of my life I will reap the gota, <laughs> 2 liter coke and whatever body and if I you know you have to choose you you reap what you sow what you pour in is what you get out. And so for those who fear the Lord who keep his commandments they have boundless benefits they walk in favor God loves each and every one of us. That's never going to change. But those who walk in the favor of God are those who keep his commandments, those who love him, and those who honor his name. When we fear him and keep his commands, the Bible says that the Lord confides in us. Psalm 25 verse 14 says, The secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear revere and worship him. And he will show them his covenant and reveal it to them. It's deep inner meaning. So we can see that there are wonderful benefits. I love that the Lord wants to confide in me. What a wonderful privilege to have the Lord confide in me. We have the privilege of a long life. If you follow the Lord and hold on to his statutes, you have a long life. We have wisdom. We have the Lord's delight over our lives, the Lord's provision, the Lord's protection. And the list goes on and on and on. If you desire to be secure and content and happy, then you need to keep the Lord's requirements and fear him. The, f- the benefits of that far outweigh the requirements of God. We tend to think that the requirements and all the burdens are so much heavier than the requirements, than the, the benefits that we get but I want to remind us today that serving the Lord is far greater. 1 John 5 verse 3 says, True love for God means obeying his commands, and his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. The Lord's commands are not burdensome. The Lord's commands are actually for our own good. Why do I want to, you know, if God says do not kill, why would I think God is a killjoy? I don't want to do that. You know, if God says to us, go and make disciples, we're always complaining about the states of the world that we live in, but we are not making any disciples. And that's the one way that things are going to change. By leading people to Christ, that their minds may be renewed, that they might know Jesus and live differently. But if we do nothing about that, which is the skill, the the way that God has showed us as a church is to make disciples. But we're not making disciples and we're complaining. So, so God's like, I've told you what to do, and yet you do not want to do it. You know, it's like one thing equals the other. It's a simple, it's a simple thing. And so our issue for feeling like it's futile serving the Lord, nor that is, that, you know, fear, the fear of God is, and keeping his commands is a hard thing. Sometimes it's not just an issue of it's just hard. Sometimes it's an issue of love like that scripture said, because the scripture says true love for God means obeying his commands. Our love has grown cold when we find it hard to obey God. Don't let your love grow cold. When you love someone, nothing is too hard for you to do. You'll do anything. And God wants all of us. He is jealous for us. He is a jealous God. He is pleased when we we fully trust him. He says he's pleased by our faith faith pleases God he delights in those who put their unfailing love in him who put their trust in his unfailing love God loves it when we trust him in him alone we don't have a plan b because that's not quite faith I need to be able to trust God and know that he is the one that will supply my every need he is the one that will come through for me But often we've got another plan on our side and we'll do everything else and just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on the side and then we wonder why things don't work. God wants all of you. If he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. There is hope. When we read in Malachi 3, David Guzik says that the context is that there was spiritual low time for Israel. The priests and the people were steeped in corruption and mediocrity. At the same time, God always has his jewels. Even if everyone around you turns away from the Lord, you can still be one of his jewels. Isn't that amazing? What a wonderful promise we have, that you don't have to worry that you're the only one serving the Lord. The Lord has his jewels. You, we need to be part of the group that honors the Lord and keeps his word. In Malachi 3.17, um, it says, You are treasured by God. So maybe you're a little bit indifferent or grumpy and the excitement is gone in serving the Lord. I want to remind you today that you are his treasure. You are his treasure. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day when I publicly recognize them and openly declare to them be to be my possessions, that is my very special treasure, we will be spared from the fires of hell. We await that, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is why we live this life. And in speaking like that, it can sound like, okay, we hear you, so now we're going to just slog and grin and bury it until the day we die. No, because I believe that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It doesn't have to be hard. We don't do this in our own strength. We do this by the power of the Spirit. And without the power of the Spirit, it's not that easy to do. And we see this in John 6, verse 60. And on hearing this, his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And we can sit and listen to all the things that we need to do for the Lord and think, This is hard. Who can accept it? But Jesus says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And so they decide that a lot of the disciples actually walk away from God, which is not unusual That's why I'm here to encourage us today to stick with it, that it is worth it. Don't walk away from the Lord. And so Jesus says to his 12, are you not going to walk away from me? Are you not going to follow where the others have gone? And I love Peter's answer. And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. He responds and says, yes, it is worth following you. Even though this is hard, it is worth following Christ. And where else is there to go? I, for one, don't think there's anywhere better to be. (laughs) I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. Better is one day with the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. I don't want to serve anybody else. I don't want to serve anything else because God is the one that is faithful. Nobody else will serve me and will will love me like he does. So he is worth he is worth it all. There is nothing better out there. And I've counted the cost and I'm all in until I die. <laughs> and maybe at this point you're feeling like my heart I don't really know where I am, you know, like it's, maybe it's not an emphatic, yes, I will serve the Lord all the days of my life. But Psalm 27, um, oh no, that was another one, but God promise, God's promises are yes and amen. And in Malachi 3 verse 18, he says that you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who don't serve God. So I want to encourage you that there is a difference between those who serve God and those who do not serve God. And you need to hold on hold on to that and serve God with all that you can. It is a joy, it is a privilege, and it is a privilege for God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And there could be people that think that there's a third group, but I want to just say that the scripture is clear that there is a, a group that doesn't believe in God and that there's a group that does believe in God. There's a group of well, the wicked and the, and the good, you know, those who love the Lord and those who do not love the Lord, those who honor him and those who honor him, don't honor him. And maybe you've created a third group for yourself. Like, um, I'm not as bad as the bad people, but um, I'm not going to be here where I have to listen to what God tells me to do. I'm going to create the third group where I can just be a nice person and give to charity and not kill and murder I can just be a nice person. That, my friend, is not going to cause you to be God's possession. You're not going to be in the group where God gathers his prized possessions and spares them for the fires of hell. You will be part of the group that has said he is not worthy to be served. So we have to make a decision while we are still alive that you cannot make it when you die. You cannot get there and decide, (laughs) oh, they were right, I'm going to go this way. You have to make the decision to, uh, to follow Christ while you are still alive and serve him. And remember that his, his commands are not burdensome. We would like that Christ gather us one day as his prized possessions. So what is the answer in your heart today? I believe we need to repent and go into the presence of God where we haven't been all in with Christ And we can see maybe not all the areas in our lives. Maybe it's just certain areas. But there's been a bit more grumbling and complaining. A bit less joy. You can see that the fruits are not quite what we want. And maybe you're part of the group three where you don't even know that you needed to. You didn't know that you needed to choose Christ. And this morning I'm encouraging you that we do need to choose him. We do need to choose Christ. The disciples ask the question, where else is there to go? And we're not stuck here because there's somewhere better to be. We are here because being with Christ is the best place to be. And if we forget that, we can go back to his word and read what he has done for us. All the goodness that we have. All, and it says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. When you forget his benefits, it's a good time to go back to his word and read word and be encouraged and be reminded of how good God has been God has been so so good to us so so good to us and maybe you forget that when you have to do stuff for God and it's not a repayment but it's out of the overflow of what he has done for us that we long to serve him that we long to live for him we don't want to be our own gods we don't want to compete with God We want him to have the rightful place in our lives, for him to do what he can do and what he wants to do. So maybe you have taken the seat of honor. I want to invite you today to get off the seat and let the Lord be Lord. Amen.